There are going to be two people in this world moving forward in business. They're going to be those people that embrace technology and utilize it and utilize it for the advantage of themselves and others. And then there's going to be the unemployed. Plain and simple. It's harsh, unpopular opinion, but that is the truth. Having the business systems that are ready for the worker of tomorrow will become critical as well from a software standpoint. Welcome to Transform Talks, the only podcast that cuts straight through the hype and noise on supply chain transformation. I'm Maria Villablanca, the CEO and co-founder of the Future Insights Network. Join me as I uncover the stories and delve deeper into the topics that really matter to you. Welcome back to Transform Talks. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Richard Howells. He's the Vice President of Marketing for Supply Chain at SAP. Richard's been working in the supply chain management, ERP, and manufacturing space for over 30 years, and is a thought leader on the topics of supply chain, industry 4.0, digitization, and sustainability. In this episode, we unpack the key disruptors that mark the industry post-COVID, the key problem areas for leaders in 2024 and beyond, and the opportunities that these will create. You've heard me talk about the cocktail of crisis, or maybe others refer to this as the new normal or the age of the poly crisis. Either way, we know times have been unusually tough and that's not going away. So what is 2024 going to look like? And more importantly, perhaps, what lessons can we take from 2023 to help us create the resilient and agile supply chain that we're all after? In this episode, Richard and I discuss why 2023 was different in many ways and how to prepare for the year ahead. This is Maria Vlablanca, and here's episode 204 of Transform Talks. Hiya, Richard. Welcome to Transform Talks. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Maria. It's a pleasure to be here. You and I met last year uh, at uh, one of the events, SAP Sapphire, which was phenomenal, by the way. Uh, and, um, since then, you know, we've, we hit it off and I wanted, I'm glad that you're here. Cause I want to talk a little bit about, um, well, kind of crystal ball moment, but before we get to the crystal ball, let, let's, let's look at the past a little bit. Um, let's talk about the industry and where you think we've been post COVID, um, for supply chain. What's been happening? What's been happening in your world? It's certainly been the, the, the decade for supply chain. I mean, after the pandemic, supply chains became critical. It, they became front and center in businesses. So uh, the whole concept of becoming more resilient and risk resilient uh, became a big theme that we've heard of all the way through the 2020s. And, and it's still a major topic today. I mean, it, the, the, the interesting thing is that the 2022 Collins word of the year was permacrisis, which means a state of permanent crisis. Yeah. And I think that pretty well sums up what we've been going through since the, during the pandemic and since the pandemic and supply chains have been front and center there. I think, I think you're right. It's, you know, I, I say that we've hit mainstream, you know, so the, the, certainly the world knows about supply chain and COVID did that, right? Uh, clearly the supply chain function has been an integral part of every business for as long as businesses exist, really. But I think we operated in the shadows. That's my take. We operated somewhat in the shadows. If it wasn't broke, don't fix it, right? Yes. And supply chains was always a, a, a place to take costs out of the business. And yes. that, to be honest, that was one of the major problems that we had was we'd taken so much cost out of the business that we'd stretched our supply chains and we had to 
but we're now seeing supply chains as an area of opportunity as well. It can save the business. It can yeah. drive differentiation, differentiation in the business. It can drive innovation in the business. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think over the last, you know, it seems like a lot has happened in, in a short period of time, doesn't it? It seems like we've, we've just uh, um, just had a lot to deal with. I don't think I had any gray hair, gray hair before the pandemic started. And Neither did I. I. I was, you know, I, I've aged like 20 years for sure <laughs> since the pandemic. And I'm not going to talk about the 20 kilos, but um, <laughs> definitely. You and me both. It's, yeah, right. Um I think, you know, clearly there was the pandemic, right? And and I think we must applaud people in the supply chain and adjacent fields for the way that things were handled. Yes, I agree with you. There were a lot of cracks that were exposed within supply chains that were mostly driven by cost decisions or cost-cutting decisions. Uh, so, but I think that everybody gathered together and were fantastic during the pandemic. Then we went to the state of the sort of the post-pandemic, which some people, I guess most people were expecting a return to normality, uh, but normal didn't come back, did it, Richard? Normal certainly no, hasn't come back. It's a new normal, right? Whatever you want to call it, the perma-crisis that, you, that you're alluding to, that you talked about. Um, so, but in that period, my fear was that people were going to go back to a sense of complacency, right? Which is to um, effectively start to cost cut again. So did we see that? Do you think we saw that? I don't think we saw cost cutting. I think uh, I think businesses are more interested now in it's a balancing act. Supply chains have always been a balancing yeah. act, and unfortunately, we balanced. It wasn't really balanced when we were really trying to reduce costs because we completely globalized our supply chains, and then we increased the risk. So now I'm seeing a balancing of cost and risk. People yeah. are looking at uh, s- simplifying their supply chains and having. Uh, local supply chains wherever possible and bringing the supply closer to the manufacturing and closer to the demand which reduces the risk but it sometimes increases the cost so that balancing act is what i'm seeing a lot in supply chains today what were the biggest takeaways from from for 2023 from your perspective well we've already talked about companies thinking about risk resiliency and um and localization i think climate change is another huge yeah. thing that is here and here to stay unfortunately and we need to do things now to solve the problem before it's too late for future generations i mean you look you look at the nightly news throughout the year and and in the us we've had the bomb cyclone in california where everything flooded after years of drought we've had forest fires in canada where i thought wouldn't have forest fires because i know there's a lot of forest but there's a lot of water as well you said wouldn't think Mm -hmm. that would happen and that and then we're seeing uh the manufacturing or the growing of raw materials being affected in so many different ways because of weather patterns. I mean, mm-hmm. India did a had a ban in June on and exporting rice of all things, and they're the biggest yeah. producer of rice, and it was because of floods mm-hmm. and thus rising prices of of rice, which means that they they needed to keep it in house in in country so that their own people could afford it. We had a. The, the the thing that was really hot and no pun intended when I say what was hot was the Sarichi sh- hot sauce shortage on social media, and somebody pointed this out yeah. to me in uh, in the summer, and it was because of the poor jalapeno crops in Mexico, which relies on water from the Colorado River, and that water was depleted. 
So we've got water shortages and water, you've got too much water in some places, not enough water in others, and it's affecting how we manu how we grow products and thus the cost of yeah. raw materials and how we manufacture products as a result of that. So I think th that climate change and, and sustainability initiatives in general are becoming uh, a high, com coming to the forefront in 2023 and will be in the forefront in 2024 for sure. I totally agree with you. I think it was maybe if we rewind to five years ago, it was still far off in the future in terms of a nice to have. Uh, the chickens are coming home now and, and we're starting to see actual impact on on businesses, on consumers. I, I'd also like to add that I think geopolitical risk uh, yeah. is also something and, and risk beyond our control, globalization and that, that kind of thing, trade tariffs, um, regulations that are implemented, you know, we just had here in Europe, the, you know, the uh, uh, sustainability directives that we're getting the due diligence directive on forced labor and, and sustainability. I mean, there's just so much happening as well that we, as supply chain leaders, we can't account for. We, you know, we still need to figure out how we deal with that. And, and I think that's where the risk resiliency comes back into to the discussion, because you have to have agile supply chains you have to have the ability to respond to changes that are quite often as you said out of your control but you yeah. can't ignore them oh and 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 you know i'm going to do a bit of a shameless plug for you guys it should be the other way around but uh ai you know i was really really like blown away when i went to sapphire seeing all the 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 uses the actual practical uses of generative ai today now uh, as opposed to these sort of futuristic things. So w what's your take on that? I, I think AI is an example where uh, we, we can, we're only limited by our imagination because we, we literally don't know the powers of AI yeah. to, or the ultimate powers of AI because I think AI is a way of humanizing business systems. When we talk about generative AI, you talk to the computer and it can answer you back in your language, in your terminology. Uh, yeah. it, it can. We've got huge amounts of data available across the supply chain, both from, uh, from your suppliers and your contract manufacturers, but also within your business system, your ERP system. And mining that data and coming up with and identifying patterns within that data mm. that the human brain just can't compute. And yeah. making predictions of what's going to happen based on that real-time data is, is just game-changing. Well, going back to, you know, the beginning of the conversation, risk and resilience, right? So uh, in this unpredictable world that we're living in with just permacrisis, we need to crunch a lot of information. Uh, we need to be able to map uh, the supply chain by multiple tiers, you know, that that's, that's hard, especially when there's so many data entry points, right? Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the sustainability initiatives in Europe, I mean, you've got to have visibility of all tiers within your supply chain. The German due diligence yeah. act is all around making sure that there's no um, slave labor and enforced labor within the supply chain, mm -hmm. but you have to have the visibility of your suppliers and your suppliers suppliers to be able to do that. The, the, yeah. the reducing carbon emissions, when you talk about reducing carbon emissions, most companies in the manufacturing sector, 70 or 80 percent of the emissions that they have to track are outside of their organization in their supply chain. And you can't just use estimates. You can't use averages anymore because 
you need the real time information. You need the 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 actual usage of 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 uh, of power of gas of whatever in real time to be able to make those right decisions and to prove that you are you know meeting your carbon goals. But you know what, Richard, I, I, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but I don't think most people realize the complexity of the directives and the due diligence that they need to be doing, not 10 years from now. This isn't some sort of 2050 goal. This is a 2024 goal, right? And how do you keep up with all of the different regulations? I mean, there's over 600 uh, regulations, ESG regulations. How do you keep up with them? How do your business systems keep up with those regulations and the new ones that are going to come and capture the, I mean, the plastics tax in Europe, for example. There are several plastics tax in Europe is the problem. They've all got different regulations. They've all got different rules country by country. But you as a business, if you deal with these countries, you have to be able to report against that data, report to their regulations. And keeping up with that that constant churn and change in regulations is, is mind-blowing. Completely. And again, going back to what we've been talking about, which is data, you know, which is data. There's so much information to crunch that it is literally humanly impossible. It And, and that's where AI comes in, right? Yes, you can't throw people at the problem. You've got to throw, throw technology. But But at the same time, I don't, you know, I've always say that I always say this. It's not about just technology for technology's sake, right? So it's not just about the shiny new object, and and that that's something that we can't just throw at. It. It's got to be. So here's my question to you: How do we use technology to enhance, say, the workload of people in the supply chain industry today to to improve risk resiliency? It's it's interesting because when you talk about all of the different industrial revolutions, everyone said, "Oh, jobs are going to be lost." And the reality is that every industrial revolution generated new jobs. It generated different yes. jobs. It automated the the mundane jobs, the simple jobs, and brought new opportunities for people. And I think that's true with, with things like AI. I mean, I, I heard a, a great quote, and I hope I get this right now. And, uh, and somebody said, well, will AI replace humans? And the answer was AI won't replace humans, but humans that use AI will replace humans that don't. It's people that can leverage that technology and take advantage of it. Well, I have a quote. And, you know, by the way, I find that sometimes I say quotes on my podcast and later I hear them later and no one, and I'm like, wait, didn't I say that before? I, so, so I'm throwing this now. Okay. I'm, I'm putting this out there. This is my quote. Okay. I said to someone a couple of weeks ago who was telling me that they were, just not very good at doing tech. You know, they, 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 they relied on a lot younger people to do the tech. Actually, this person was younger than me. So they were, they were relatively young. Cause you know, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty young, but anyway, but they said, I'm just not sure about this. You know, I'm just going to continue doing what I do. And my response was the following, that there are going to be two people in this world moving forward in business. They're going to be those people that embrace technology and utilize it and utilize it for the advantage of themselves and others. And then there's going to be the unemployed. Plain and simple. It's harsh, unpopular opinion, but that is the truth. I think that's a true statement. And having the business systems that are ready for the worker of tomorrow will become critical as well from a software standpoint. This is where the crystal ball comes in. I mean, and we've been alluding it, alluding to it, we've been talking about it, but what are we going to see in 2024 and beyond? Okay, so I think... Risk resilience is here to stay. 
because regardless of how good our predictions here will be today, nothing is certain. And building resistance mm-hmm. helps helps us address the other challenges, as we said before, whether it's cyber attacks or economic downturns or environmental events, global global disruption and pandemics. There's always going to be something that we have to be able to respond to or react to or predict and adjust before it happens. I think sustainability is definitely going to, this is going to be the year for sustainability. It's a year when we'll start to see a constant flow of regulations around the ESG mandates coming into effect, and you have to comply to them. We've had the warnings they're going to happen, but now they're happening. And as I said earlier, the the, uh, 70% of emissions are outside of a company's business, and you have to be able to track that and visualize that. And I, I also think that sustainability and profitability aren't mutually exclusive. You can do the right thing for the environment and still be the right thing for your business. You can say, I'm going to an electric fleet for the environment and it can save you money, for example, as well as reduce your emissions. But Richard, just like you said, it isn't just about money, right? Although that's great and profits profits are great and money, money is great. But there's also a risk with regards to consumer behavior and with regards to reputational damage as well. We haven't talked about that. We're being pushed from all angles. I mean, there are regulations, yes, and we have to comply to those. But I, as a consumer, want to buy a product from an ethical company. I want to buy a sustainable product from an ethical company. I want a product that is is has an end of life in mind. It it, it can be decomposable or reused or repurposed or recycled. I, I, I as a, sh- a shareholder, want to want to look at a company's um, social index before I buy shares in them. So everything is pointing at sustainability as a driver. Companies are going to get caught out for greenwashing and yes. companies will will be called out very quickly and it will be a very ugly fall for those companies that are making big fat claims on net zero and they're actually not doing much. And I think that uh, technology like AI will dig deep into those companies and their claims. And so they will be called out uh, if they don't do anything. And and I think it, workers will leave them, as will their clients. Absolutely. It will both expose companies that aren't doing it and also help companies that are meeting their goals to be able to prove that they're meeting their goals. Yeah, totally agree with you. So, okay, sustainability. This is going to be the year of sustainability. Uh, yep. What else do you think? I do a podcast series as well. And every problem that comes up, the answer is usually related to, I need to improve the visibility within my supply chain. Yeah. If I want to be more resilient, I need yeah. to improve the visibility of, of knowing what's going to happen and when, and what's going according to plan and what isn't going to according to plan. If I want to meet my sustainability goals, I need visibility into my suppliers, into my contract manufacturers, and have that data available. And vi- so I think it's more than visibility, it's transparency across the supply chain, but also predictability as in the ability to be able to predict what's going to happen next. We're talking about crystal ball. You need a crystal ball so that you can see what's going to happen next week. You can make decisions based on what's trending and where things are going rather than what's just happened. It's not just about the decisions that are happening in a week. We need to be able to see what's coming down the line. You know, If there is a problem with one of my suppliers' suppliers that may not affect me today, but it will affect me in three months, or six months time. I need to know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's being able to see around the next corner, what's going to happen and where it's going to happen. And what are my alternatives? I don't want to just hear the problem. I also want to yeah. know what are my alternatives? What are the, 
what are the recommended solutions to solve that problem? I honestly think that AI is the game changer when we talk about all of these things. Uh, if if permacrisis was the word of the year in 2022, I'm predicting that, and this might be two words, but Gen AI will be the word or words of 2024. In all areas, in personal life, I think it'll be, but also in business. I, I agree with you, but I think I'm going to add something else to that. And I'm going to add the people element. I think that technology is moving at a faster pace than we have ever seen in the history of mankind, right? This is, this is not a sort of a leap to get the man on the moon that took 20 years. This is, you know, chat GPT is a year old. Okay. So yes. we are going to see how people react to that, both in the workplace and in the uh in their personal lives and i think that's gonna be very interesting to how we see that throughout this year whether you know what what job titles change what functions change you know how work looks and feels for us that is also going to be a game changer because of gen gen ai yeah and and i think there has to be boundaries around it as well i mean first of all there's got to be security and cyber security boundaries around it to ensure that the information that we're getting is accurate and timely and relevant but we've also got to put boundaries around it in that we're not solving as you said it's not technology for technology's sake what are the business no. problems that we're looking to solve and how do we do that by enabling technologies such as ai or iot or even blockchain in some instances but it, it really got it's got to start with what am I trying to do? What problem am I trying to solve? To your point a little earlier, you've got to have that problem in mind when you're looking to, to deploy technology. Yeah. Yes, there will be some things that come up and, oh, I never even thought of doing that. And AI has helped me do that. But I'm betting that 70 or 80% will be around improving efficiency or improving the user experience mm. and then also delivering new processes and innovations. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the last point that I think is going to be important for 2024 is cybersecurity. What do you think? <laughs> I'd written five things down and cybersecurity was the fifth. Uh, and I haven't seen your notes. This is how well connected we are, Richard. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's exactly what I was going to, to, to comment at, at, at the last point, because everything is now in the cloud. Everything is digitized, yeah. but we have to be have confidence in that data. We, the, I mean, in the holiday season, there were reports of cybersecurity breaches that meant that some clothing wasn't going to arrive on time. There's cybersecurity attacks every day, and we have to, have to have controls in place. The problem is, with the dependence on technology, comes this vulnerability that we that we have. And I did a newsletter a couple of weeks ago before Christmas, actually Thanksgiving, because my car died. And, I, and it's a new, relatively new car. And what happened is for some reason there was a glitch in the computer, which activated the anti-theft device. Glitch. Nothing had happened. It just did glitched. Yep. And as a result of that, all systems were down. I, I have never ex experienced that level of uh, impotence because there was nothing else there you know I, I know enough about a car to be able to fix a flat tire to see if the fan belt needs changing or oil needs changing or you know figure something out manually right and this was a moment of computer says no and my car had to be hoisted quite literally hoisted they had to shut down part of the parking lot of my supermarket just to get a huge hoist to take this car out because it I felt move. impotent and that was 
because it wouldn't move. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's interesting because I mean, the automotive industry is basically high tech industry because we're driving a huge computer around. In, if you've got a relatively yeah. new car, yeah. and the downside of that is what you've just said, and the upside of that is that instead of doing a mass recall of the of 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 the vehicles, they can send a they can send an upgrade out uh, automatically. Yeah, I agree. Upgrade overnight. So let's let's circle back a little bit. So we're so we're saying sustainability, sustainability. We're saying risk resilience and agility, transparency. Uh, I you know being able to predict things, people, the people element, and cybersecurity. Are there any last thoughts that you have with regards to twenty twenty four? Uh, um, and, and, you know what, I will be talking to you in December, 2024 and seeing how right we were, huh? Hopefully. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I think it was Mark Twain once said, making predictions are hard, especially about the future. But <laughs> yes. last thoughts is all of these have to work together. Supply chains are going to be front and center. We're going to be totally reliant on supply chains and we have to be able to have the, the, the systems and processes in place that can, that can change at the speed of business. And all of the things that we've just talked about I are either con- contributors or inhibitors to that happening. And we have to be able to address them. We have to be risk resilient. We have to make sure that we deliver goods in a sustainable way or we won't be doing business anymore. Uh, we have to leverage the technologies where appropriate and empower people to do more. Because the reality is there is a, a labor shortage. We are We do need to do things with less people. But those people have to be able to do the work of the number that was originally required and technology can help there. And it all has to work. And that's where cybersecurity comes in. I agree 100% with all of that. Well, I want to thank you for chatting with us. I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts. And like I said, let's uh, close out the year this year and see uh, see if we were right with all of this. Maybe there's something else. That's the other beauty of, of the life that we've been living in the last couple of years. We don't know what's next. We don't know what's going to hit us, do we? And that's what makes it interesting as well. Thanks so much, Richard. Thanks thanks for being here on Transform Talks. Thank you very much, Maria.